Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Jeremy Gretchen, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi there. So we've got a great show for you this week. Uh, we might actually be covering a conference, virtual of course, Woo! this year, but uh, we'll be the first time since the Wizard World Comic Con back in February, so that's kind of cool. We're also going to be talking about a listener question in our Q&A this week um, about what we've seen as changes since COVID has started with producing the show, because there's been a lot of them. I mean, just the whole way you do things is differently. So we'll have that and a number of other good things coming up. Send us your questions and your comments, one user-friendly on Facebook, one user-friendly on Twitter, or call us at 503-766-6264. Today's news is brought to you by the Old Spaghetti Factory in Sherwood where limited in-house dining is safely available, as well as to-go and delivery. Call 503-625-9962 for more information or to place your order. So what's in the news? Avon leaks 19 million records. Yes, and what's almost becoming the hack of the week, uh, these stories seem to be popping up more and more. Uh, Avon got compromised. 19 million records got out uh, from different people that subscribe to their products. You know, again, just information is valuable, and it really doesn't matter where it came from. Some's a little more than others. But if you are a Avon customer, you'll want to check with Avon to find out if this affects you. Definitely update at this point all user accounts, that type of thing. And as always, if financial information may have leaked out, keep an eye on your financial accounts. Things don't necessarily come up immediately. A lot of this information can be sold on the dark web and other places and used a few months down the road. In fact, that is a way that the bad guys go with this to kind of give you the idea that, oh, nothing happened, and then try to hit you with it at a time that you may not be expecting it as much. And if you do see something unusual on any of your financial accounts, get a hold of your bank or financial institution or credit card or whatever it is as quickly as possible, because everybody seems to have a different amount of days that you can file a claim. Most of them do offer some form of insurance, but you have to get in there within whatever their requirements are. William English, creator of the computer mouse, dies at 91. Yes, and uh, this is actually something you think when this was done back in the 60s, it was such a big deal and it kind of foretold what we use on most of our computers today. And the stuff that was set up by him and a few of his partners have actually been used and come forward to smartphones and all of the different types of tech that's that's out there now. So it isn't even just the computer mouse. But he was involved in putting together the original design of how it worked. They built it out. And uh, then they did a demo in California where they were using uh, different videos and things like that from a remote location. And it was considered one of the best demos that had been out there at the time. It was one of the biggest. And again, that foretold something. So So just I hmm. I have a question for you. Uh, was his mouse development uh, related to the digitizer puck, or do you know? Uh, it was what his work. Okay, so the digitizer puck is a little bit different technology, but the basis is the same. So the mouse picks up or at least the version that he uh, created, where there's sensors inside of a ball. Now it's usually done LED or other ways, but uh, the idea, the principle is the same, where it's an optical pickup sensing movement. 60-foot tall Gundam robot takes first steps in Japan. So, Jeremy, what is this? Okay. The Gundam series is a, it's an animated cartoon series that's it's celebrating their, their 30th anniversary now. 
Um, and they've been, it was a series based on, you know, giant robots. So it was a really cool thing. And everybody loves giant robots. Yeah, why not? So um, they actually, <laughs> what they they first started building one um, in like 2009. They built a, a 18 meter, so it's 60 feet tall. Um, RX, uh, what was it? RX 78. It's the, the um, like most popular one. They, they built it on a waterfront and it was a landmark. And then they replaced that one with a uh, the RX-0 Unicorn Gundam in 2017. And then they started building a Gundam factory. And now they've got the RX-78 there and it moves. It's, so they've got it. The, there's video of it actually swinging its leg out like it's going to take a step. Oh, wow. It is, it's kind of cool. So now <laughs> these are, you know, you get a human inside the thing. So it's a big fly-by-wire fighting combat robot thing. <laughs> and they're going to start making these things move. So, so what could possibly go wrong with that, right? Oh, no. Smash. Hey. Ouch. <laughs> well, it's all based on a cartoon series where there's lots of destruction and robots and fighting, and everybody yes. loves that. So I think it's awesome. <laughs> well, we'll see, have to see how far that goes. But it has actually something that's quite amazing to look at. Oh, absolutely. New technology creates a surface with antimicrobial particles. Yeah, so this is interesting in, in this era that we now live in with uh, antiviral everything that we need. <laughs> They've actually come up with a way to incorporate this into hard surfaces. So what happens is, is it's very similar to the way that a silver coat works or something like that to where it actually can kill virus on the surface just by the makeup of what it is. So this is something that I could definitely see would be a part of things, but it's not something you would wipe on as a fluid or anything like that. It's actually part of the surface. So if you're making countertops or a surface that's touchable like a doorknob or door handle or something, this kind of technology could be used to make that surface much safer going forward. And even once we get beyond the whole COVID-19 thing, there's still flu and stuff like that. So having this built into some of our surfaces actually does make a lot of sense, and it'll just make the environments around us safer. Twitter hackers arrested. Hooray! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So for anybody that hasn't heard yet, um, Twitter suffered a pretty high-profile hack here recently in which the bad actors got in and were able to take control of a number of high-level accounts, including the accounts of Bill Gates, Elon Musk from Tesla, Apple Computer, and a number of others. And what they did is they put out on these different accounts that if you send $1,000 to my Bitcoin account, I'll send you $2,000 back. Now, obviously, that sounds like a scam. But it's coming from or supposedly coming from people that uh, you might trust or follow or, you know, normally don't do anything like that. And it looks like it raised over $100,000 of what actually came in to the bad actors on this. And this just goes to show, though, they didn't cover their tracks well. And the arrests were actually two of them were domestic. One was in the United Kingdom. So two were in Florida, uh, one in the UK. And what had happened is, is they had been able to purport themselves as people that work for Twitter and gain access to the tools that Twitter uses internally to deal with accounts and management and that type of a thing, and started going on the dark web and uh, services like Discord selling these accounts. Now, they started with ones that are considered more desirable, which is like at one letter or at two letters, you know, small things like that, $300 to get the email to take control of the account, or you could completely take it over for 3000 and then it went a step further and this whole Bitcoin thing happened. So it just goes to show that uh, it's not like the movies. They got in, but they uh, got picked up and arrested in less than a week. 
DEFCON to go virtual this year. Yeah, they're going to have it on Discord talking about such things in the previous story. <laughs> so so for what's DEFCON, though? Well, let's start explain with, it. Yeah, let's start with DEFCON and the Discord. So DEFCON is a conference that's held every year and has been for a long time in which uh, hackers kind of do their thing. And it's pre-warned, and you know that if you're going to go to the DEFCON conference to turn your cell phone off and any device that might connect to Wi-Fi should definitely be something that you purge afterwards. Uh, some of the more notable things was one time people walking in with a sign above as they walked through the thing, it put up their name and social security number for everybody to see, that kind of thing. And what this is primarily, at least what it's billed is, is education to see what can be done. And it's a way for uh, both the criminals and not, and the good guys to come out and see what's happening in this area of technology, which is a very big deal, keeping things secure. So this year, like most of the conferences and uh, larger events that are going on, they can't hold it in person, so they're holding it online. And there's a couple of things that are changing for the culture. It's happening right now, and to be able to attend and just watch it is actually free. If you want to interact, it's 20 bucks. Now, normally at the shows, they would only accept cash because it wouldn't have been safe to set up a, uh, a payment terminal, and plus privacy is paramount. But being online this year, they want to have a little bit more control over things. And one of the most notable reasons that they take cash is back in 2009, someone had set up a fake ATM that when you ran your card, it stole all of your information. So, uh, (laughs) you know, that sounds great. Again, just uh, to see what it is. Um, Discord, which is a chat app that most hackers and gamers know, is going to be carrying this. They've set up a number of channels um, to deal with different aspects of the conferences. They call these channel villages. And again, if it's something you want to check out, it's available online. You can listen for free. Automaker Candy plans to launch low-cost electric car in U.S. Yeah, after rebates, this car will run you about twelve grand. You have to go down to Texas to pick it up because that's the only place that's going to be available. Good around town car, about 75 miles per hour maximum speed. Range on it looks to be about 100 miles per hour. It does have a few features like Bluetooth connectivity and uh, backup camera and some things like that. Very basic car, though, but definitely something that uh, is a good point to enter into the electric vehicle market and something that I could see being somewhat successful. There's a lot of places where a car like this would work out pretty well. This is User Friendly 2.0. Got a great show. Don't go away. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Joining us live on location, reporter Steve Mailer. Hey, Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen. This is Steve. I'm on location with another Steve, a really great guy that I've had an, uh, an opportunity to work with in the past on a, a film set or a TV show or two. In fact, we did Idaho Boys together about five years ago. He's a wonderful on-set audio recordist. I don't know if that's the, the title that you actually use, Stephen, but his name is uh, Steve Zydek. Steve, welcome to User-Friendly. Hey, thank you. Good to be on the show. Well, it's good catching up with you. It's been a while since we've talked, but um, I have some really fond memories of being on the set with you with Idaho Boys and, and watching you work and all the equipment you had and the microphones you had. Tell us a little bit about your specialty on the set of films and television shows. Okay, um, mostly um, as a, a production sound mixer, um, your main focus is getting clear dialogue for 
it could be a commercial, a short film, um, a feature film, or any kind of of uh, production requiring good dialogue. So you you want to focus on that, and then in that in that uh, venue, you you definitely want to have some high quality equipment because uh, equipment really will make your job a lot easier. Indeed. In fact, when we were on Idaho Boys, I noticed you had. Um, a very, very, I don't know if I don't fancy is a very good word, but you had a very technical looking mixer. What kind of mixer do you use on the set? Um, the mixer that I uh, chose and I use um, on all of my gigs is uh, Sound Devices. Um, it's the one I have is the 664. It's um, basically a 12 channel mixer. It was designed primarily for production audio capture. So it has a lot of features that like automatically increment takes and help you overall with the workflow involved. So it's a, a really high-end quality mixer. Um, they um, can cost oftentimes as much as camera equipment can. So um, yeah, it can no go doubt. pretty high up on the price there. Yeah. So when you're, when you're actually doing the recording, what type of recording format are you producing from the recorder, is it a wave file? Is it you know what? What are some of the technical specifications of the files that you're generating? So this particular uh, recorder has uh, the ability to put in two different cards at the same time. So you can put in an SD format card and then the, the larger compact flash cards. Um, and it, it has a menu where you can select what audio format you want to record on. So normally I record. Uh, what are called polyphonic wave files. So that's a wave file that has a stereo mix plus every single channel recorded independently, um, as well as the, like I say, the stereo mix file, the left-right mix. Um, you can also set it to record MP3s. A lot of times, um, the production that you're doing may have uh, transcription services. So it's like for TV, you might the producer might need to send it to get it transcribed uh, and oftentimes they want mp3s because they can quickly send them to somebody and get it done so the output format varies on your menu selections okay now and your is your sampling rate usually like 44 kilohertz 48 kilohertz or is it even higher than that um if you want to use higher if you're doing uh, some, uh, if you're really cranking the camera at 60 frames a second or something like that but mm -hmm. um for almost everything I do, I use about I use the standard of forty-eight. Okay. Other than things like Eye to the Hope Boys, what are some of the projects that you're currently working on, or can you talk about them? Um, yeah, sure. Um, we have uh, uh, we did last year. We finished a feature film here locally in Reno uh, called Desert Shadows, and that is currently uh, being completed in post-production and it's going with uh, a marketing firm, an international marketing firm to get out there and try and push it out into the world. So I've worked on feature films. Um, I, uh, last December I worked on a, a interview, a radio interview for the BBC with oh, nice. uh, Booker T. Jones. Wow. Uh, Booker T. Jones was being interviewed because of his, uh, work with Otis T. Redding. So BBC was doing a story about Otis T. Redding. Very and, cool. Uh, or Otis Redding. And uh, uh, Booker T. had some talking parts in it that I had to go out and collect. Okay. Um, um, so it, it varies. It varies from film all the way to commercials to radio to uh, 
uh, even short films, little small projects friends of mine here in town are making uh, to anything. Now, you mentioned Desert Shadows. Is That was a feature-length project? Yeah, that's a Tyler Bourne's, Bourne's production project. That, that was going to be my next question, a, yeah. Okay, because I, I, I saw on Facebook that Tyler was, uh, they were, you guys, I think, were in the midst of principal photography on that, and that looked very interesting to me. So uh, it'll be exciting to yeah. see that come out. So how, how long... That was, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, how long, how long were you involved in that project? Um, uh, you know, I got involved in the pre-production on that project a little bit because I helped build some props as well as um, uh, doing a little bit of, nice. uh, you know, beating around the bushes on locations and things like that because we're, you know, small. Um, yeah. Uh, but my primary job was as the sound uh, mixer for that okay. project. And we were actually in production for 28 days. Wow. That's, that's long principal photography. Huh. Yeah, it's 28, um, I would say averaged about 14 hours a day for 28 days. Yikes, okay. So we had a full month. <laughs> yeah, no, that actually sounds like a typical film. Very, very long days, uh, certainly um, in my experience. Oh, oh, yeah, and locations. Yeah. Locations were all over the place. The wow. Set, sets were designed and built. I mean, it, it was a lot of moving parts to get it to happen, but I think it's a pretty high-quality project and really looking forward to seeing it later. Gosh, me too. I'm going to have to stay in touch with you on that because um, I, I do remember reading a lot about that and wondering, you know, who was involved. It's actually, I didn't, I don't think I came across your name in that, but I, I'm not surprised at all. So, Stephen, if someone wanted to reach out to you and contact you to get you involved in a project, how could they do that? Um, the, the easiest way to get a hold of me is uh, by my email, which is S-Z-I-D-E-C-K at gmail.com. And also, uh, my cell is fine, too, for contact. It's 775-745-8827. Well, folks, remember that number, because this guy can, tends to get very busy. And he's a great guy to work with, very experienced, and it was certainly a pleasure getting to know him. Steven Zydek, thank you so much for being with us here on User-Friendly. And we'll, we'll catch up with you soon, especially as Desert Shadows is starting to make its rounds. But thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you. I'll keep you posted on all of that. Sounds good. Bill, Jeremy, Gretchen, back to you in the studio. Steve, thank you. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. This is the section of the show where we answer your questions. And uh, this week, we've only got one question, and it's a big one, which is why we've only got one question. But send yours in, because it's important for us. We put together a lot of our content with what you send us, and also populate this section. And the way that you do that is you call us at 503-766-6264, or send it to us on social media at One User-Friendly on Facebook or Twitter. Or check out our website at userfriendlynation.com. Our question this week is, what unique things, problems have you had, in other words, us as a production, producing with the pandemic? And Jeremy and Gretchen, I know that one of the biggest things, I think, and first and foremost, is the fact that we haven't been in a studio since, well, March. Yeah, yeah, that's been the big thing, because usually we get together once a week, we go to the studio, we record a bunch of stuff, and then we go to lunch. Yeah. So, and, and hey. we usually went to sushi for lunch, so I've been missing that too. 
And, yeah, that uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and there's also um, the travel to the events. Yeah. That's been something that um, that's really hurt. Yeah. I mean, usually there's like at least one event a month that we can go to. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. this, there hasn't been anything. Everything is canceled into next year. Yeah. Into yeah next and, year. and I can understand why it's just, boy, that, that makes it tough. Cause now I can't share uh, pictures of people in costumes nope. or, uh, you know, pictures of technology or displays, you know, just fun stuff. Yeah. And, it and it's like, and we haven't left the house. It's like, yeah. you know, we <laughs> can wear our costumes as much as we want. But we can't oh, yeah, but it doesn't have the same effect. No, I, I know the feeling yeah. on that. And it's just. And that uh, might be the inspiration problem that I'm having. I, I have two costumes that I've been working on. And wow, I'm just having a really hard time, like, getting the drive to do it. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's, it's been a thing. I know from, from our standpoint, you know, going back to the production area, a little bit of it. One of the big things is is keeping high quality audio because we're all working now out of our home studios and have been for a long time and it's been pretty good but you do have some unusual things like one of the things I've been battling and you've probably heard it in the background from time to time is uh the gardener. And uh, so my <laughs> home studio is uh, right upstairs from the front lawn and they mow the lawns the day we record so it's like we're having to compete with that and sometimes work around it a little bit. Yeah. And uh, you will hear a lawnmower in the background. So, you know, and that's not something that we have to deal with. The other thing is, is in doing interviews, because all of that's done by phone or something like Zoom or Google Hangouts or whatever technology we use for a given interview, is also the idea of uh, of sound quality. There's dropout. I know when we're recording, we'll have a, where it gives like a magnetic sound every so often. What that is, is just the way the internet works for doing the audio. And, uh, you know, but I just, I, I've talked about this before where I've called it part of the soundtrack of the new normal. And it's what we're having <laughs> yeah. to deal with right now, you know, but I'm just happy yeah, to be able to do it. Yeah, we have the internet drop out on us too. And so that's a concern because we're in a residential area and now all these families are here now. And, and so everybody's using the internet. Yeah. Not only are they using it for entertainment or communication. But uh, once in a while, I, I don't think the kids are still doing school right now. But, you know, when they were doing online school, that's got to take a, a chunk out of bandwidth. Yeah. And the consumption uh, trends have changed a lot. I know with uh, online streaming now being much more during the day where it was in the evening and that type of thing. But fortunately, all of the Internet seems to be working pretty well. And the other thing you brought up previously is the idea of going to conventions and you know, uh, uh, this is a huge change because a lot of them have been going virtually, so it's good to have some material out there. But the thing of it is, is I do miss the actual interaction networking and all that kind of stuff. And that's a big part of what we used to cover, being able to do interviews that way, get material, um, and just be able to meet up with people and, and kind of firsthand see some of the things so that we can bring tech to the show and that type of thing. And Jeremy, you were saying canceling into next year. They've just announced that the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas has been canceled for January of 2021. So, you know, until there's a way to deal with this whole virus thing completely, I think this is going to be part of what we see, unfortunately. I also think, think that some of our potential interviews are, are kind of, people are nervous. Um, mm -hmm. you know, you'll have half of the population, they're comfortable, they want to talk to other people. And then you have another portion that are scared to death and you don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. So you don't know who you can approach for interviews either. Right. Right. Yeah. No, there's a huge difference that that makes. And, you know, we're already planning to have masks and stuff incorporated into cosplays for when we do get to go back to stuff. 
But uh, I know like uh, this fall, Silicon Valley Comic Con just announced that they're canceling. And uh, I'm not holding high hopes for the Star Trek convention. It's officially yeah. it's still on right now. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, that's been a big part of our thing. Well, this is user-friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. And this week, we got something that this year, with the way things have been going, is going to be a little bit unusual for you, and that's the ability to cover a convention. Joining me now from Las Vegas is Chaz Wellington. Chaz, welcome to the show. Hi, Bill. Thanks for having me again. It's good to have you back, and uh, it's good to actually hear that you've been able to get out and, uh, and cover something. And I know it's a little different this year, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But the uh, show is Black Hat, and go ahead and tell us a little bit about it. Well, uh, Black Hat this year, uh, just say that the old gray mare just ain't what she used to be. Black Hat this year, being that it's virtual, is quite extremely different than what I've ever covered. But I have to say that Black Hat has done it right again. You know, this virtual Black Hat 2020 continues to maintain the high quality content and extensive training it's been known for, you know, for over 20 years. In fact, this is our 23rd year. Unlike, uh, other conventions that uh, have a vast amount of information, Black Hat disseminates this information properly every time. Uh, but this year, there's 117 countries represented. Uh, this year, we're having 90 briefings, 80 deeply technical trainings, and 30 sponsored sessions and in-depth workshops. Even more exciting are the scholarships that you know were given away prior to this year's event for those wishing to enter into the cybersecurity industry. You know, be sure to spread the word of those wishing to apply for next year's scholarships. Uh, the various various scholarships include the Black Hat Student Scholarship Program. It's for full-time students that want to gain access to Black Hat. And it gives them briefing, the access to the briefings in the areas of the digital conference. There's the Black Hat Veterans Scholarship Program, which gives them the same access. There's also the EWF Scholarship, which gives 50 complimentary passes to female university students that demonstrate a passion for information security. Uh, this year, there's the COVID-19 Relief Scholarship, appropriately so, for those impacted by COVID-19 that can't normally make it to these um, uh, types of conventions. Uh, these grants offer access to 90-plus briefings. And there's also a Blacks and Cybersecurity Scholarship, and it's to further the networking and development opportunities for the Black community and cybersecurity. Okay, and I'm going to want to ask you some questions specifically about the show, but uh, before then, how are things going in Las Vegas with the pandemic? Uh, the current state of the pandemic is is no better than we were a few months ago. Uh, you know, uh, in Las Vegas alone, uh, employment, unemployment is still rapidly high. Um, there's more layoffs coming across the state as well as Governor Sisolak has not advanced the state into phase three. And uh, even more bad news is that some properties will even stay closed for good, such as restaurants and diners and other places, but also three properties owned by station casinos. It doesn't look good for the state at all or for our globe at this point. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad to hear the conference was able to go off. And I think that we're seeing a lot of this kind of going the wrong way a little bit in a lot of different places. But to get back to the show, tell us a little bit about the keynote speakers. 
Oh, yeah. Great keynote speakers. Uh, you know, today's opening keynote speaker was Matt Blaze. He gave the opening keynote titled Stress Test Democracy, Election Integrity During a Global Pandemic. Uh, Matt Blaze holds the McDevitt Chair in Computer Science and Law at Georgetown University. And his work focuses on security, privacy, cryptography, and scale, especially at the intersection of technology and public policy. Matt gave valuable information regarding the, the process of mail-in balloting, much about the technology behind the equipment that will process the ballots, and why we can both be optimistic and pessimistic at the same time about this election. He also covered exploitable vulnerabilities and the challenges we face during the pandemic. Um, tomorrow's keynote speaker, it will be Renee DeResta, and her keynote is titled Hacking Public Opinion. Renee DeResta is the research manager at Stanford Internet Observatory. Uh, this will be a very exciting keynote as well, and I definitely look forward to it. What briefings have you liked so far? Uh, briefings, yeah. Notable briefings, which I found particularly interesting, were uh, repurposing neural networks to generate synthetic media for information systems and hacking the supply chain. The Ripple 20 vulnerabilities uh, haunt tens of millions of critical devices, which is horrible, horrible. So but those are the best briefings that I've encountered so far. And there's many, many more to come. So one of the obvious aspects of Black Hat is the idea of cybersecurity. How does Black Hat help job seekers wishing to enter the cybersecurity industry? You know, that's a great question, Bill. Great question. You know, every year Black Hat, you know, brings in 19,000 industry professionals that attend every year, giving job seekers an inside look at the industry that can help them decide on a path in cybersecurity or even if they want to pursue one in cybersecurity. But, you know, another reason Black Hat is a great opportunity for job seekers is that uh, each year, Black Hat has what they call the career zone, and this gives them the opportunity to interact directly with company representatives. Uh, cybersecurity is a phenomenal industry to look at. Uh, it's obviously recession-proof and pandemic-proof in a way, um, but it's, you know, those who wish to seek changing their professions, there's over a million unfilled positions today in cybersecurity, and it's expected that in 2021, there will be 3.5 million unfilled positions in cybersecurity. So aside from just learning about the cybersecurity industry, you'll be able to meet, even virtually meet, uh, as it is this year, uh, these professionals that can give you the guidance and give you, uh, you know, the, their company culture, what they're about, what you would, what they would expect of you and how you can proceed. Now, you have some background in cybersecurity, I understand, right? Yeah, I have my Security Plus certification, uh, and I dabble here and there in cybersecurity. Um, nothing extensive yet. I'm currently uh, completing a course in Agile uh, Certified Practitioner. Okay, so you, and the reason I bring that up is because it's a standpoint that a lot of people are looking at right now. People are changing jobs, and a lot's changing in the world. And the idea of getting into cybersecurity is still one spot, as you just mentioned that there's a lot of need and that need is going to continue to grow as computer use continues to grow. And I think that one thing this pandemic has done has created a situation where we're seeing a lot more remote everything, the conference to this interview to medical, you know, all that kind of stuff is changing and cybersecurity is going to be a big, big part of it. And on that topic, virtually attending, you would have attended through an app, I think, and if that's true, how did it work? How was the interaction with the app? Yeah, it was seamless. Interaction was great, is great, and the app is easy to navigate. You know, 
you must you got to be able to identify the necessary information to plan your day, plan the trip. Uh, and you know this their app just makes planning and your entire experience easy. You know, and the information is always readily available. No, and I think that's true for any any show that's out there, but this year more so than most. Chaz, thank you so much for the information. Hey, uh, just a few final thoughts, if I could. Sure. Yeah, you know, kudos to Black Hat for making this happen. You know, I had to say that Black Hat is like no other. Um, it's not the same. I like walking through, seeing the booths, interacting with the people. But, you know, Black Hat has proven that the same excitement and quality can be accomplished via a virtual event. That's good to know. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Great show this week. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so before I get into some more details on Black Hat and a listener question about another uh, convention called DEF CON, I did hear you had a little bit of news on Umbrella Academy. Yeah. Um, we were originally told that they had canceled it and they weren't going to do a second season. And lo and behold, I see on, was it Netflix? Netflix, there it is. There it is. We're going to have a start. new episode. Yay! Well, that's so, good that they brought it back. I know a lot of people liked it. and uh, it, it, It's strange and unusual and kind of fascinating. Yeah, hard to all I know about it is, a, is a, <laughs> I saw a cosplay of it once. Oh, yeah. And uh, I just remember a lot of uh, tentacles. So yes. uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's because he's dead, but that's okay. So we'll <laughs> leave it at that and uh, have to check out season two. All right, so uh, we had the interview today with uh, Chaz on Black Hat. And just for contextual stuff, uh, that was recorded on Wednesday. So uh, what he was talking about that was upcoming was actually the day that it was recorded. But the one thing about it that's really kind of cool is everything's online this year. So you can actually go to their website and check out any of the keynotes or the sessions and, uh, and go ahead and play that. And we'll go ahead and throw that out on our social media at One User Friendly. And uh, the other one is the question that came in. That what's the difference between DEF CON and Black Hat? So well, that's a good question, Bill. Yeah, we need you to answer that. Yeah, because <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> well, I can let you venture a guess, but we don't have that much time here. So, um, one, so well, okay, my answer would be one involves a black hat and the other one involves death. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I better answer that question now. Uh-huh. Um, first of all, the term black hat is a hacker term. Uh, and there's white hat, gray hats, and black hats. So black hats are the bad hackers, white hats are the good ones. Gray ones are kind of like a mercenary, if you know what that is. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's basically what it comes down to. So they named the show that based on the idea that it is a cybersecurity conference and it deals with hacking and all these different things. And, and that's where the name comes from. DEF CON is more of an anything goes type scenario. Uh, okay. It's also a convention. And they also are held at about the same time. So it's happening right now as uh, Black Hat is. And they're doing a safe mode this year. Um, type setup, which is a little bit different. Um, but the thing of it is, is uh, I guess, you know, the big thing here is that we're having to go to these virtual formats. And I, I'm kind of glad they're doing it because it's the only way to be able to produce on this stuff. So that it is also available online. But the best thing is, is just know that you can check them both out. And uh, this year, that's how they're doing it. But they are actually two different shows. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> So that being said, uh, upcoming the Silicon Valley Silicon has been canceled, which we kind of expected. 
I'm anticipating the same thing for the Star Trek convention in December, but we haven't heard yet, so we'll keep you updated on that. And if there's a virtual version of any of those shows, we will cover it. Outside of that, we're going to keep going. Uh, send your questions and your comments in. One user friendly on Facebook, one user friendly on Twitter. We'd love to get that. We'd love to do your programming. And until next week, this is User Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User Friendly 2.0 is copyright 2020, User Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed in this show are those of the host and not necessarily User Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Podcast available at TheAnswerPortland.com or UserFriendlyShow.com.